Welcome back to the T3 Family Podcast, where we are equipping families to thrive. It's going to be a fun day today. I yeah. do want you to say hello, though, in a funny way, though, Becky. Just do oh. it. Just say it real fast. Just try. I can't. Okay. Hello. <laughs> That's what you do. That didn't sound British at all. You, everyone who's listening now, you missed it. Becky does this hilarious hello, but she's not doing it now. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. We'll but, see. Uh, but yay, it's you, and yay, it's... It's Jenny. I'm going to say yes. it this time. Yay, it's you. Yay, it's you. So we're going to continue our discussion around belonging um, today. And we brought in what we believe to be an expert on belonging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, no pressure. Like our only goal here today is just learning. So yeah. I think what you do, for those who don't know, Jenny works at The Well. And they do an incredible job of helping people to belong. And so we're going to ask her a lot of questions. But yeah. first, we want to remember our core value. Becky, yeah. can you kind of run yeah. through that? Yeah, so... One of our four core values is belonging. And uh, we talked about this a little bit last time, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to remind you of a few of the highlights of our core value. So the definition is that um, in belonging, we are created for deep connection with others. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just going to sum it up because we read quite a few of these last time. But um, so our connection with the circle of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit I think the way that we often um, can relate to that best is in our connection with others. Mm-hmm. It's hard for us as humans to understand what it means to belong until we've actually experienced it with others in our community. So, um, but I do want to read this last one. Um, of, so there's four points under belonging. And the fourth one says, we experience the fullness of who God is when we are intentionally in community with those from every ethnicity, language, and nation. And so that can maybe be a challenge sometimes when we are in small town Pella. You know, I'm looking at, we're mm-hmm. in community with those from every ethnicity, language, and nation. And I just wonder if we would also add people in different, like, I don't know what different backgrounds and different like socioeconomic statuses. Yep, um, absolutely. If, if when we are in community with people like that. So we're so excited to have Jenny here. I wanted to tell a quick story. Like I'm super biased because Jenny Hesseltine is just one of my very favorite people. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this, Jenny, we've been friends since my youngest was in utero and he's nine now. Like, nine. Wow. So we've been friends nearly a decade. Love it. And it doesn't feel like that. But I just remember like our family had just joined third and or we had been trying out third. And then I don't know, like when I was thinking about our friendship story, I'm like, it sounds like a love story because (laughs) because it it is is. like we locked eyes. And then I was like, (laughs) I know she's just a kind person. And then like randomly, I remember it was probably a few months after we had met, like I had a job that I would do at night where I would clean offices. And then one time I, so I had lots of time where I could talk on the phone or I could listen to podcasts. And, um, I called Jenny one time and I talked to her the whole hour and a half I was cleaning. (laughs) And then maybe like two more hours when I got home, like we talked for forever and we were just like getting to know each other. And like, yeah. One thing I just love about you, Jenny, is you're so good at making people feel like they belong. Like Mm -hmm. Jenny, uh, was, hospitality expert here at third, just a couple, like a year, just Mm -hmm. over a year ago. She's been at the well for a year, but before that she was here at third. And, um, I'm just saying Jenny did the hospitality and now 
it takes two of us, Clay and I, <laughs> yeah. to try to. And we're trying. We need to learn it. more from you, yeah. Jenny, because they, they need two of us to fill what Jenny did with one person. Yeah. But um, you, like, there are still, if you, if anyone is in the third church building, you'll see signs randomly that say, Welcome home. And that mm-hmm. was, that was Jenny's thought. She wanted third church to feel like a place that was home and and what better place to belong than in a home and so i just love your heart for making people feel welcome and um yeah you just live it out so well so i'm i'm excited to hear um yeah why don't you tell us a little bit of what you Hold on, do two, two oh, things sorry, i gotta jump sorry, in too sorry. i gotta okay. we're gonna make jenny feel uncomfortable <laughs> uh so i i do the new members classes as well and uh what the, the culture you created is so interesting these uh, people come and they would tell their friends they're going to come try out Third Church. And they said, did you just get lost? Mm-hmm. They said, no. So people sought me out and found me. Mm-hmm. So you, there's this That's culture beautiful. of, I think, who you are, which is intentionality. That's why mm-hmm. it's so fun you brought that up, I think, because to make someone feel like they belong, like what she did for you, it requires being intentional, which yes. I think we'll probably hear about today. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, we're just mm-hmm. glad that you're here. And then ask your questions again, Becky, whatever it was. Share something. Oh, yeah. If you could just tell us about your, yeah, your position at the well. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, as you've been thinking about how um, belonging, you experience that at the well, just, just, we're just going to hand over the mic to you mm-hmm. and we'll hear what you have to say. We want to learn from you. So. Okay. Well, probably everyone's interpretation from Becky's story of us meeting is that you should get an extra cup of coffee to continue listening. Because <laughs> if Becky and I can talk for like three and a half straight hours, we will this try, to keep, extended we will try to keep this podcast short. But like, seriously, sometimes Jenny and I will be together and our husbands are like, where were you? We're like, we were literally together Just for five talking. hours and we could have talked for five more. This yep. is why we have to, yes, go on vacations together. That's to right. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, yes. Well, thank you. Thanks for your kind words. And it's an honor to get to be here as I was kind of rereading these aspects of the belonging core value. I remember sitting in a room with the rest of the leadership team and helping to craft some of these Mm -hmm. things. And so it's just cool to still like get an opportunity to kind of speak into that a little bit. And yeah, my new role at the well, um, which like Becky said, I've been there a year now, April one, um, was my one year anniversary. I'm the manager of the resource center at the Pella location. And so basically my job is kind of overseeing all of the aspects of the resource center, which is where we meet face to face with clients Mm -hmm. who need a place to belong for a lot of different reasons. And so I just love being able to sit down face to face and get to hear their stories and to build relationship and Mm -hmm. to get connected. And um, I would say that there are a lot of these aspects of the belonging core value from third church that like just directly translate to Mm -hmm. how we operate at the well um, in terms of this belonging piece. In fact, you were saying, yay, it's you. Um, We have this chalkboard above the free coffee soda bar that Mm -hmm. is available to everyone who walks in the building. And what I wrote on that just a couple of weeks ago was, yay, you're here. (laughs) And so it's that same posture of... Like, 
I think that there's such a key piece to hospitality and belonging that is um, putting the focus on the other person and yeah. really the the yay it's you or the yay you're here aspect rather than like yay now you can see me yeah. um, piece mm -hmm. of that and so I think that that is just such a key component of belonging and that heart posture of hospitality and um, yeah so I'm excited for yeah. this conversation mm -hmm. today for sure and Jake you just real quickly I mean uh, I think a lot of people know they know what they kind of know what the well is um, how many clients do you see? Like how many people mm. are coming through? I think we have ideas of where we live and sometimes there are ideas different than reality a little yep. bit. And so just yeah. to help us understand better um, what you're doing over there. Yeah, that's who, what I was going to say. Seeing. Like what, give us your <laughs> elevator uh, pitch on what the well is. Right, mm. right. And why do we need the well? Yeah. Well, um, the interesting thing is that the answer to those questions is in an hour long training that takes place once a month for anybody you who's got, you got interested in So let's leave them hanging and let's just invite them. Right. Give them a so tease so that they want my, to come. That's okay. exactly it. So Perfect. May 12, I believe is the date, okay. the second Thursday of every month okay. at noon, uh, we do volunteer orientation, but the biggest component of that actually is poverty training mm -hmm. and we go through all of the answers to the questions that you just mm -hmm. asked yeah. and so i really will give a 30 second version of <laughs> but the let's answer. put that in the show notes too <laughs> but yes uh you can even volunteer you can even apply to volunteer and sign up for that online at thewelliowa.org perfect um but really the the thing about poverty in a place like Pella, Iowa, mm -hmm. is that for most of us, it feels really far away. Yeah. So in poverty training, I show these three images right off the bat, and one of them is like a soup kitchen line in an urban setting, lots of racial diversity. There's the line is like forever long, like you mm -hmm. can't even see mm -hmm. the end of it. And another photo is of uh, a presumably homeless man sitting on a in a sea of concrete, mm -hmm. <laughs> just, uh, again, very urban-like setting with all of his belongings sitting next to him. And then the third image is of a small child um, who is looks like he's probably in a developing nation, just scouring a landfill yeah. for mm -hmm. whatever food he can find or whatever he needs. And so the thing about those three images is that they all feel really far away. They yeah. feel like none of those look like Pella, Iowa. None of them remind me of any aspect of Pella. And so why is this even necessary or needed in our community? And so we then talk about Ruby Payne's definition of poverty, which is the extent to which an individual is doing without resources. Hmm. And then we take that a step farther and we recognize that because God created us this way, we're really holistic beings mm -hmm. that have so many different components to who we are. Mm -hmm. And we have identified 11 different essential components or resources that we believe every individual needs in order to have stability in life. Mm -hmm. So if we follow Ruby's definition of lacking resources and we overlay that with the idea that there are these 11 kind of parts of who we are or resources that 
that we need. If we're lacking in any one of those areas, we're experiencing poverty. Mm-hmm. And so the 11 things um, are things like our emotions and our mental and cognitive mm-hmm. ability, um, our physical well-being, our financial well-being, um, role models and relationships, support systems. And so if we are lacking resources in any one of those areas, again, we're experiencing poverty in that. And so I love that broader definition. And it's, I love it that her definition doesn't have anything about money even in it. Mm -hmm. And so that helps me to understand where we where we do all experience poverty in our lives and where the well is really needed Mm -hmm. um, to be able to have that vantage point and say, hey, how can we help come alongside you Mm -hmm. and figure out how to boost your resources in this area so that you can fully live the life that God has for you? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's you know, I think it relates so well to John 10, 10, the enemy comes to create that lack of resources yep. to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to bring you life and life to the full. Yep. And mm-hmm. for me, that is that picture of stability and that wholeness of all those aspects of who we are. Like that's the fullness that he died to give us. And so that's where, um, yes, we just get to kind of be the hands and feet of Jesus yeah. in that. Mm-hmm. And it's really beautiful. Yeah. So question just got me thinking, so, you know, the, the value we're created for deep connection with others. We kind of talked about this before. Um, but as you see people who are lacking in areas, um, do you feel like one of the root issues is that there's a lack of a deep connection with others, that there's isolation? Mm-hmm. Is that... Uh, you know, do your live your clients have they lost deep connection? Do they never have deep connection? Mm-hmm. H- how do you feel like not belonging? I guess plays into not having those things. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. So I mentioned one of those essential resources is support systems, mm-hmm. and then another one is relationships and role models. And so um, we believe that that connection is really necessary Mm -hmm. for living life to the full. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing about support systems is that they actually can be positive or negative. And so, um, you know, we might meet with someone who is able to list off 15 people that they feel a close connection to, Mm -hmm. but there might be a lack of um, positive influence within that. Um, The other thing that I just find so so fascinating when a person has experienced generational poverty, which is defined as having been in poverty for two generations or more. So a person's born into that. And Mm -hmm. that's, that again, can take a broader definition of poverty, but the generational aspect of it is primarily financial. Mm -hmm. And so um, when that is the culture that an individual has grown up in, relationships are actually at the core of everything. Mm -hmm. So um, we talked a little bit earlier about, um, I loved what you said, Becky, about kind of broadening this this piece of the TRC belonging Mm -hmm. that we are intentionally in community with those from every ethnicity, language, and nation. And you mentioned, what does that look like across socioeconomic mm-hmm. um, you know, divides as well? And that's one of the ways that we can sort of simplify. And, and I understand that it is a simplification that we all are still really unique, but there's a way of seeing the world that is absolutely affected by the socioeconomic class yeah. that we were brought up in. Mm-hmm. And so as, um, as folks who have primarily grown up in middle class, 
what it what research shows and probably our actions more than anything show is that the core of who we are and how we were raised is achievement. Hmm. So everything that we do really has this underlying um, motive of wanting to achieve, whether that's grades in school or the right spot on the team mm-hmm. or the band or whatever, all you know, up through our careers and the ways that we even sometimes view leadership within, you know, our volunteer settings sure. and church and things like that. There's this achievement basis within that. Well, for those who have grown up in generational poverty, the core of their 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 core motive really is relationship. Hmm. And so there are ways that I actually have learned so much about deep connection by intentionally having relationship with people for whom that is their mental model. Mm-hmm. They will do anything for their family. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't make sense to people who have a different mental model mm-hmm. and who see the world differently. It really doesn't make sense to people who have that achievement mindset yeah. Yeah. because when and you know uh, this is a this is a real story when when you will literally walk off the job at work because your highest value is going to be with the family member who just got stranded on the side of the road in Des Moines mm-hmm. and your boss sees things really differently than you and fires you as a result of it mm-hmm. like there's a huge disconnect yeah. there yeah. and so um it's not that one is right and the other is wrong. It's right. just that we see the world really differently mm-hmm. and because we see it through the lens of those different values. And so, like I said, I just am learning a whole lot about like, what does it actually mean to have deep connection from people who really highly value relationship? And then part of the trick then is how do you operate and not lose that mental model, but operate within a very middle class environment where that's the expectation is that you follow the middle class rules. And so, Hmm. um, yeah, there, so there can be a disconnect there sometimes, Mm -hmm. but so I would say those connections actually, um, for the most part are there within their own comfort zone. But as far as deep connection with people who are different, Mm -hmm. I I think that that's a challenge for all of us. Mm -hmm. And I, the way that we talk about that at the well is this term called bridging social capital. And that's exactly what we talk about when we're saying we're going to intentionally be in relationship with people who are different than us. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that is just a really beautiful way to help to create those deep connections across those socioeconomic mm-hmm. differences. And it does take a lot of intentionality. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say for myself, my life is better because I have relationship with people who are different from me. Yeah. And it's not this idea that like, oh, because I grew up middle class, I somehow have all the answers and I can like help um you know, bring people to the level that I have had the privilege and the opportunity to experience. It's not about that at all. Mm -hmm. It's about like, regardless of who's helping who or what looks like it's helpful, we're actually just really in it together and helping Mm -hmm. each other because I know I've been helped or blessed probably way more than what I have been able to help other people because they've allowed me to start to see the world through different Mm -hmm. lenses and just to recognize that there's a lot of value in how we each see the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, that's so good. Um, as you're talking and as I hear you tell just like some testimonies that you get to experience at the well, um, one thing that I always recognize is um, it actually is one of the, a part of our uh, belonging core value. It, okay, so I'll read the, the belonging core value. It says, we aspire to be a culture of honor, valuing all those inside and outside the church. So obviously that's specific to um, what we at Third Church believe. But I think when you're talking about your clients at the well, like you have never come across as judgmental. You've never come across as like you were just saying, like, I have all the answers. Like you come across so humbly and like honoring and like obviously everyone, she's very professional. She doesn't share names, but she, the way she talks about them, like it makes me feel like I am their friend and I want to be for them too, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, we just kind of wanted to talk a little bit, like, how do you as staff at the well honor those who come into the well? And then, yeah, like, is this something that you feel like you have to intentionally do or, um, yeah. What does honoring people mm -hmm. coming into the well look like? Yeah, that's, it's such a high value for us to, um, to make sure that we are honoring everyone mm -hmm. who comes in the door and, um, that there is no diminishment that is felt. There's mm -hmm. no judgment there. Like it really is a place to belong. And I think one thing that is really beautiful about that is that we are unashamedly a Christian organization. And so everything that we do is biblically based and there's scripture everywhere and you can't walk in the building without recognizing that. Mm -hmm. But we're in a unique position to not force that on anyone. And so there's a way that... Um, we just try to act a whole lot like Jesus as much as possible. Right. Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes those actions speak louder than words. And so do we have opportunities to share the gospel with people? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do we pray with everyone at the end of their meetings if they'll let us? Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Those are some of the most beautiful moments. But I think just being able to honor where anyone is at in their spiritual journey or mm -hmm. whether they've never even given it a thought um, is a really beautiful way to just lay some foundation and say like, Hey, mm -hmm. this is who we are, mm -hmm. but it's okay if you're not. And, mm -hmm. and we can still do this life thing together yeah. and respect and honor where you're at. And then know that the Holy spirit is going to do his work in right. his time. And we want a front row seat to that. We want to get to be a part of that. We want to be ready and available where he calls us to enter in and have those conversations. But um, I think that that's a huge piece in, in honoring. Um, I also think that another way that uh, we're intentional about honoring our clients is that they are always the ones in the driver's seat. So we are not giving advice. We are not uh, writing recommendations. Mm -hmm. We're not telling them what to do. And we talk a lot about how like that can be really hard um, as, as a person who likes to think that she like knows the right path yeah. forward. We, we like and, to fix things, like, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. We totally yeah. like to fix things. <laughs> yeah. Um, but recognizing that 
outcomes aren't up to us. We can't fix people or make decisions for them. And ultimately, like their decisions will be what you know, how things play out for them. And mm -hmm. we can't own that and feel responsible for it later. And so I think that that actually is a way of honoring them too, mm -hmm. because they're the ones saying like, hey, this is a goal that I have. Mm -hmm. And we're saying, that sounds awesome. Let's mm -hmm. do that together. Do you, mm -hmm. do you want our help with that? What are ways that you think we might be able to help mm -hmm. you? And just honoring them by not trying to fix them yeah. or not trying to say, we see that this situation is going from bad to worse and you better do something about yeah. it yeah. Um, yeah. now, yeah. you know, that's, that's not honoring and that right. doesn't feel respectful. And so, um, yeah, just being able to join them where they're yeah. at, I guess. And all well, of you're, at, you're asking questions, like you're finding out, you're learning about them versus yeah. just saying, you know, from your own mindset, do this. And so we were talking about this beforehand a little bit. This is a family podcast. Yeah. And so you've had people who have you know, gone through this, you call it motivational interviewing, mm -hmm. correct? This process and thought, wow, I, I hope I get to do this at the well, but I could use this at my house mm -hmm. with my yep. kids or my spouse or my roommate or my friend. Um, so I guess, could you kind of talk us through a little bit around mm -hmm. like, I guess the, the questions you ask people? Because I think this might be helpful for us as we listen, as we're in relationship with other people yep. um, to honor them um, and to hear them. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So motivational interviewing is this sort of fancy um, counselor term for yeah. this technique. And it really is, it really is so simple, but mm -hmm. it's really hard at the same time, yeah. especially yeah. for people who want to fix things and have the <laughs> answers. But it really is just asking questions that motivate people to decide on their own what mm -hmm. they want to do next. And so yeah. just to kind of um, bring it to life a little bit, you know, if the three of us are sitting here and mm -hmm. I came in because I have this problem that I'm dealing with and I don't know where to go with it mm -hmm. next. And, and if you two are sitting here and you say to me, okay, well, we've got the perfect plan for you mm -hmm. and you just need to take the next five weeks and do these 10 things and yeah. do them in this order. And, you know, this is going to work. It's going to be perfect. Yeah. Well, the chances of that actually working for me are about zero because it's yeah. not my plan in mm -hmm. the first place. But if we sit down together and you say, well, what are you thinking about? Mm -hmm. And I can say, well, I'm kind of thinking about this and I'm kind of thinking about that. And then Becky says, have you ever thought about this before? Mm -hmm. And Clay might offer, you know, I heard about this person that was in a similar situation and this worked for them. Mm -hmm. Do you think something like that could work for you? Mm -hmm. And I'm able to sit in that and and think about those questions and my answers to those questions. And I can say, yeah, you know what? I think actually that could work for me. And and what could that look like? And I think it could maybe look like I try this first and, mm -hmm. and now it's my plan. Then mm -hmm. I can actually get somewhere. And, right. I, and I am the one who's motivated right. to work through it. So motivation and persistence is another one of those 11 essential resources that we all need. If I'm not motivated, myself to move forward and to help be the solution to the problem, I'm never going to get there. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why, you know, the fix it mentality or somebody else sort of prescribing a plan within, um, 
yeah, at least within what we have the opportunity to do and the mm-hmm. people that we have the opportunity just to love and serve and get to know at the well, it, it wouldn't work as well. And right. so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think to your point, Clay, for families to be able to sort of translate this to how can I operate? I've learned so much about my own kids by being yeah. able to ask them questions yeah. in this sort of format. And, you know, I've I've discovered things like I didn't know that my 12-year-old wanted to eventually move from playing the flute to the piccolo and the marching <laughs> band in high school. And these are yeah. things that she's thought about before, yeah. but without me asking yeah. the right questions, right. that those sort of dreams and goals that she has for three years from now might not come out. And so just that intentionality of asking some of those questions and then saying like, hey, I'd love to help you figure out how can you get there? So if that's a goal that you have and we don't think about it again Mm -hmm. until the beginning of your freshman year, you're probably not going to get there. But if we work towards that in the in-between and I'm not pushing you, but it's your goal. And then I think the other really beautiful thing that that kind of setup brings along with it is opportunity for accountability. Mm -hmm. So going back to our earlier example, if I'm the one who's coming in and asking for your help and you're helping me in a way that I'm actually setting my own course and I'm the one deciding this is what I want, then then you guys as deep connections Mm -hmm. in my life, as Mm -hmm. part of my community with whom I belong, also can say to me, hey, if that's what you want, then do we have permission to speak into your life? And if we see that things are going in a different direction, do you want accountability Mm -hmm. within Mm -hmm. that? And do you want us to say, hey, yeah, let's take a time out here and regroup a little bit and I can give you permission to speak that into me and to remind me Mm -hmm. of my goals and to hold me accountable to them. Then again, my chances of actually succeeding in that goal are going to be higher and that deepens our connection because when we can go through those rough patches together, Mm -hmm. like you know that those are deep roots to be able to come out on the other side of those difficult conversations still with good relationships. Well, love is you're honoring them. You're saying I'm I'm placing what you hope above what I what I really think. Yeah. I, I want you to reach what you what you're hoping for. So you're placing the other person in front of yourself, which is yeah you know, what honoring yeah. is. Right. right? And so. it's key to know, like, and maybe especially for parents. And I can say this because I am one. <laughs> um, motivational interviewing is not a manipulation tactic. (laughs) So, you know, when, when my kid says, I really want to play the piccolo in marching band and I'm like, Oh, but I really wanted you to be a baton twirler. Like I was, I I knew you were going to go there. (laughs) When you mentioned band, did you know Jen was like an all-star baton twirler? I've heard about this actually. Yes. My mom hasn't heard. Everyone should know about Jen's. I know. I'm like, I'm like, but what if they want to be baton twirlers? You have everything to make that happen. But Clayton's point is so good because it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not my goal. And motivational interviewing isn't a manipulation tactic to say, but, but wouldn't you rather Mm -hmm. be a baton twirler or wouldn't you rather do this? Nope. That's not what it's about. And certainly there's an extra measure of guidance as parents, you know, in comparison Mm -hmm. to a, to a client provider relationship. Yeah. But I do feel like that's a, an important thing to note yeah. is that yeah. it, like you're saying, it's yeah. putting their goal yeah. above your own, yeah. regardless of whether right. you think it's the best path. Yeah. Like this has been my story lately because I 
love singing and um, believe I've been gifted in it. And mm-hmm. I have so far that I know two of my children who are amazing singers. And do you think I can get them to do anything like with those voices? And so like I found myself saying to them like, well, God gave you that talent, so you should share it. And then, like, as you're talking, I'm feeling convicted. Like, <laughs> it's okay It's okay to call out their talent, but mm-hmm. not to be like, why aren't you trying out for this choir or this choir? Because that's not the desire currently that God mm-hmm. has placed in them. Sure. So, okay, I'll support you in wanting to play yeah. football next year. And, yeah. you know, and yeah, they do. And kids are amazing. They actually, like it's similar to what you were saying with your 12 year old, my 11 year old, he's like, I'm going to play football. And, um, then for a good stretch, I should ask if he's still doing this in the vein of accountability, but then like every night I'm going to do 30 sit-ups to get in shape. (laughs) And I'm like, amazing. That is amazing. I need to ask if he's still doing that, but like learning that from our kids is such a cool thing too. Like they, they are little motivated things sometimes. Mm -hmm. So for sure. Learning how to honor that in them instead of yes, trying to say, well, you should do this. Well, then they don't, they're not going to be passionate about what we want them to do all the time. Yep. That's right. So it seems like maybe one of the keys to belonging is people in your life asking really good questions, Mm -hmm. like probing good questions about, then you know, you know them and you ask questions about what they believe in or passionate about. It's like you, they, they feel known, yeah. I guess, when you ask good yeah, questions. That's right. So mm-hmm. I like you're saying, too, uh, uh, circling back around the support system and how you're saying, I think uh, oftentimes you have ideas of who are sports, like, who's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's like these people who are like ahead of us or, or doing something. We, the diversity of the support system, I guess, is what I'm mm-hmm. thinking about mm-hmm. is having people who are different than me in my support system mm-hmm. would open me up to yep. think differently. Yep. Sure. Um, like you're saying, you've like you've been changed by just you've been interacting with new people and how they live and what they value is impacting what you value. So, yeah. so that is if you know if you are a parent and you do have kids, like who is your child support system? Mm-hmm. And like I was curious when you're helping someone develop one, like mm-hmm. is there is there a number of people you hope for? Do you like mm-hmm. how, how, how do you encourage that that growth of the support system? Um, uh, I guess you know, yeah, just curious about that. Yeah. No, that's a really good question. I would say for us at the well, in terms of client interactions, one way we try to really help them grow their support systems is by not being the savior or the Mm -hmm. rescuer or, you know, like we just know that that's not, that's not the truth. Like Jesus is the Mm -hmm. savior. And so to, you know, try to take his role in that, A, not cool. And B, um, it's just not true. And we, we don't want anybody to feel like it was the well Mm -hmm. that helped them and that gave them hope. Like our slogan is offering help and hope. And it's the hope of Jesus Mm -hmm. that we're offering. And so in broadening support systems, we are always pointing to other community resources that already exist. So we don't ever want to Our goal in existing is not to duplicate services that other providers are already offering. Mm -hmm. And it is also not to take over anything else. And so the, what that looks like for clients really is being able to point them to, Hey, did you know you can also get support from the Pella community food shelf? And are you aware of what Crossroads has to offer? Mm -hmm. And what about this grief support group that Pam Becker and through our partnership with garden chapel is Mm -hmm. doing? And we're constantly making referrals out and that does 
a lot for a client feeling like they are well supported because it's the whole community. And it also yeah. makes us better partners for our, our other community partners. Like yeah. there are times that in terms of financial resources, we would have the resources available to solve the problem for a person, but we will often say, hey, we think that this organization would probably help with mm-hmm. A and B, and we have some flexibility in our dollars because they're not tied to federal grants and yeah. things that have a lot of red tape around them. And so why don't you see what they can offer and then we'll help fill in the gaps. Yeah. And you know, I we are always really clear with people that we're not saying that because we don't want to help them. Yeah. But it is better for them <laughs> for mm-hmm. it to know, like, hey, I had this one really big issue, but then these three different agencies or organizations came around and supported mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And so I haven't given a ton of thought to mm-hmm. like, what does that look like? Yeah. You know, how do we translate that mm-hmm. to our kids? But I think... I think the humility that it takes as a parent to say like, you know, well, have you asked your small group leader what they think about that? Or who else would you trust to ask that question? Here's my thought. Here's my Mm -hmm. vantage point. But you need to figure out for yourself what it is that you really want to do about this. And having multiple voices speak into that Mm -hmm. would be really helpful. So Mm -hmm. I think even just encouraging them to view... um, yeah, to view their small group leaders or their coaches or a trusted teacher or, mm-hmm. you know, I hope all my kids feel like Becky is a person yeah. like mm-hmm. that for them because mm-hmm. they know that our families are so close. Like whoever that is that's in your family's circle or in your child's circle, yeah. being willing to say, like, I trust them to speak mm-hmm. into this for you. And even if they if their recommendation is something different than mine and that's what you go with, I can be okay with yeah. that yeah. and not try to control the narrative. Yeah. Um, Cause that can be a temptation, like, you know, both with, from the client perspective, mm-hmm. but I think especially from the parent yeah. perspective, yeah. because yeah. we're, we feel really responsible for these yeah. younger human beings. And so if I use a remind me of story, I won't use the names, but I know somebody whose child wanted to become like a vegetarian or a vegan and the parents were not so sure about this. And so they contacted a friend who they thought would be on their side. And that friend heard the kid out and said, he's got a lot of good points. I think you got to let him do it. And so encouraged what he was going to do. So it can backfire if you try to manipulate I know. the yeah, that's support exactly system. Exactly what she's saying, the so, support system. Yeah. Well, we, we have that. We've tried to set up like multiple voices in our kids' yeah. lives that they can trust. And so in one instance, I had, you know, we had a situation where I really want this app on my phone. And uh, we don't, as parents, Tim and I are like, we don't know if this is a good idea. We mm-hmm. bring in another voice. And again, this person listened to the ar- arguments or the right. reasons for the child wanting it and um, said, well, I think she sounds like she's ready for it. And we're like, you're okay. Thank you. Like, so, yeah, and now like, another voice. And now another voice. And I got to prep this voice before they talk to my kid. But no, it really was. And actually having other people that see our kids mm-hmm. um, in a different light is yeah. is actually really beautiful. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, I would yeah. have never thought that about my kid. Because I'm viewing them through my right. mom lens or whatever. So to have other people speaking into our kids' life. So yeah, we just want to encourage family is like like get yeah, other people in your right. kids' life family friends grandparents mm-hmm. um i love having bonus moms in my kids' mm-hmm. life that w- that's what we call a lot of our 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Female friends in our kids' life. And um, it's just really sweet. And it, and it takes time to build those relationships. So, but God yeah. is good and he'll bring them. So, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of sticky faith. Yes. And I don't know if that phrase, you know, I don't know how much that phrase has been outrightly used within the mm-hmm. church lately, but I know it's a foundation mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And so you had asked about a number. I yeah. don't know what that magic yeah. number is, but sticky faith would say it's five, okay. five adults to every one child. And okay. that's really opposite of our cultural thinking when you think about you know, classrooms and chaperoning field trips and mission trips <laughs> yeah. and things right. like that. Like you, the the mentality, rightly so, is you need the supervision of one adult for every five kids in those settings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all right and good. But when it comes to actually having that support system in their lives mm-hmm. for every one kid to have five different adults that they yeah. know that they can go to, yeah. um, again, that takes a lot of like relinquishing control Mm -hmm. and humility as a parent to say, I value these other four or three or whatever voices, um, in addition to my own or our own. Um, but it is, it's going to be good for the kid. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. This is so good. Yeah. (laughs) So, all right, here's a few action steps. Find, um, some adults to speak into your kids' life, mm-hmm. prayerfully consider. Um, call the well and set up some volunteering. I think I think I'm probably one of these people too. When I think of the well, because I love shopping at their thrift store, I just think of like thrifting things, mm-hmm. which I call myself a volunteer shopper because if I see something <laughs> in the wrong area, I move it while oh. I'm shopping. Um, so that's one thing you could do pretty easily. But um, yeah. otherwise, Jenny, what are ways we could get involved? And are there opportunities for larger groups for families to get involved in the well. Tell us a little bit about that. For sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, do keep shopping and do keep donating because a really fun statistic to share is that currently our thrift store is funding operating costs to the tune of 94%. Amazing. Wow. So So keep shopping. Keep shopping. 6% left. That's right. (laughs) Keep bringing in those donations because we can't, we couldn't do what we do without that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, yeah, having the thrift store has just been an absolute game changer for ministry. Mm -hmm. And it gives our financial donors such confidence that their dollars are really going directly to helping people because 94% of all of our, you know, staff salaries Mm -hmm. and keeping the lights on and paying the mortgages and all of that is already taken care of. So that is really huge for us. And so don't ever, I don't ever want anyone to like discount what they are doing and Mm -hmm. helping by shopping. So Becky, I support your shopping, your thrifting habits, and even more so when you take me with you. (laughs) Um, But yes, in terms of getting involved, you know, we just say that one of the best things people can do is advocate for the well. And that really is on all in, in all realms. And so I think helping to kind of just for people to recognize these the, these differences in mental models and to begin bridging social capital, like ultimately that helps our community be mm-hmm. better as a whole. Um, 
And it helps, I think, people to kind of open up their own definitions about what it even looks like to come and ask for help from Mm -hmm. the well. And so, you know, we've talked about generational poverty. There's also the reality that situational poverty exists. And so another example I could give was when the tornado hit Vermeer, Mm -hmm. the well was able to open up and say, we're doing these specific things to help families Mm -hmm. who've been personally impacted Mm -hmm. by this. And it's been really beautiful to see that connection stay or to Mm -hmm. return when, you know, if or when any of those families ever have another situation again, they know that they can come to the well and that there is no judgment Mm -hmm. and that it's not like a, you know, it's not a once a year kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. It's like when, when you need it. And we have people who come in for weekly resource center appointments just to have somebody to talk to, just to feel like they belong and Mm. have community. And that's beautiful too. And so Mm -hmm. there's no like prerequisite for coming, you know, you don't need to have at least a thousand dollars that you owe to somebody or (laughs) something in order to come and get help from the well. And so um, I think just helping to kind of advocate and um, encourage people to get involved even as a client. And then for sure, volunteers like make our world go round. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could not do it without our volunteers. And so um, everything from the production of the thrift store, taking in every donation, Mm -hmm. sorting, pricing, getting it out on the floor and selling it, every aspect of that requires volunteers. We have a staff team of nine people and then a whole bunch of volunteers Mm -hmm. that run that aspect of it. Um, and then there's volunteer opportunities that include the, this idea of deep connection with people. You know, there are a number of people from within our own church body who come and volunteer weekly in the resource center as volunteer care coordinators. Mm -hmm. And they're meeting alongside clients with a member of our staff team, and they have developed those deep connections and those regular touch points. And they are now part of these individuals support system Mm -hmm. outside the the walls of the well. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I could rattle off that, you know, have established these connections and they know if I, you know, if I'm in a pickle, these are like my 2am friends now. And that's really huge. And so, um, like I said, I I believe it's May 12 would be the Thursday. Yeah. I am confident in that now. May 12 Thursday, um, is our next volunteer orientation opportunity. Sometimes during the summertime, we try to do a couple extras because we know it's a time that students in particular, are available. And, um, that just kind of gives you visibility to all the different ways that you can get plugged in and serve mm-hmm. and gives you the training that you need to kind of get started. Yeah. And then, yeah, absolutely. Groups, teams, we we love it when yeah. people come alone. We love it when they bring yeah. Mm-hmm. a dozen of their friends yeah. with them. So my mixed group actually tonight, along with another mixed group is going to serve somewhere. I work there. And I don't yeah. even know exactly what we're going to do or where we're going to serve, but I know it's going to be yeah. good. And yeah. so um, awesome. lots of different group opportunities yeah. um, and everything from kind of one time and then see where mm-hmm. it goes to like every week plugging yeah. in at the yeah. same time. Yeah. So Very cool. Do you have anything else? Otherwise no, no. we'll wrap up yeah. Jenny. This is maybe putting you on the spot, but I believe in you so much. (laughs) Would you leave our listeners and us with a blessing of belonging? Yeah, Mm. I absolutely would. 
I, as we sat down, um, this came to mind right away. And for any of you who have heard me teach, even within the third church context, you've probably heard this before <laughs> because it's kind of my thing. But I think it's the right thing to close with today. See, I knew so, it. I knew mm-hmm. you'd be so good. Are you ready? I'm so excited. <laughs> so excited. Um, yeah. So something that I have just felt called to pray for our church family and for the Pella community for a number of years now is just Jesus' words from the high priestly prayer in John 17. And I... Um, so I really love this idea of unity. And when I really think about what that means, I think there is this component of belonging mm-hmm. and deep connection that's required in order to mm-hmm. truly be unified. This is not a surface level, you know, rah, rah, we're mm-hmm. all on the same team. There's That's part of it, yes, but it goes deeper than that. And um, Christine Pohl, who is a person who does hospitality really well, and I really like what she has taught me over the years, she kind of summarizes this high priestly prayer by saying this, the best testimony to the truth of the gospel is the quality of our life together. Jesus risked his reputation and the credibility of his story by tying them to how his followers live and care for one another in community. (laughs) So as we go, I just bless you to be that testimony Mm. of the truth of the gospel. And I bless you that your shared life with the people around you, the people with whom you belong, um, would be such quality <laughs> that it would mm. be that testimony to the gospel. Um, and I just, yeah, just bless you with deep connection um, by the Spirit and to move forward in what he calls you to each and every day. Amen. 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 Thank you, thanks, Jenny, Jenny, for yeah, being with thanks, us. Friend. What an honor. Thank you for joining us for this T3 Family Podcast. Mm-hmm.